Good morning, saints. Blessed Sabbath to you here in the sanctuary and to those who are online listening to us. We are grateful to God for the privilege to be here. I give thanks to Brother Dave Lal, who was the one who invited me through the pastor to be here with you today. Dave and I go back a long ways, and I, I thank God for the journey that we have had over the years and for allowing me in my first visit to Ypsilanti Seventh Adventist Church. I know after today, I will no longer be a visitor. Because <laughs> what I'm going to share with you will stay with you for the rest of your life. You will hear my voice in your ears. It's the voice of the Spirit of God talking to you. I thank God for my wife who is present. Our daughter Carissa is planning to be here. She's not here yet. And um, with our grandchildren, uh, Aaron. And what's the girl's name again? Renee. Renee. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. <laughs> But we are glad to be here, truly grateful to God. I also, I heard Raphael this morning. I haven't seen Raphael. I've never seen Raphael. So Raphael, identify yourself. Where are you? Okay. I've been speaking and ministering to this young man and his wife. I know his wife. We have met at my daughter's wedding. But I've never met Raphael in person. And I thank God for the privilege for us to see each other today. What I have to say to us this morning is very important. God is very patient. And as you minister to him, he listened to you. Now God wants to minister to us. And he wants us to stay by and listen to him. What I'm going to share with you today is titled, Living the Life God Chose for Me. I'm not going to preach. I believe more is given by teaching than preaching. And teaching takes some time, so bear with me as I, as I share with you. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, speak through your life in your Son today. That your anointing in me would be a blessing to my brothers and sisters your sons and daughters within the walls of this building and wherever they are listening. We cancel every move of Satan against the word today. Remove every barrier, every blockage, every distraction. That this word will breathe life and hope to all your children. I believe you have heard me. Thank you. 
in the life and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Living the life God chose for me. If I should ask you where you are from, many of you will tell me the country or the place where you were born. What I want to say to us today, that's not God's reality of you. And as we explore this message, I hope this will come loud and clear that if you have received Jesus Christ, you're really from above and not from below. And when we step into that reality of our life, we will see things we have never seen before. So I'm going to run through some slides. We'll be looking at the Word of God. I'll be just sharing scripture with us that we have read. But today these scriptures will come alive in our hearts. Living the life God chose for me. I want to begin by reading the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our Lord, from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So let's look at God's reality and not just our, our human logic or our reasoning. Paul introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and he's writing to the saints at Ephesus but he's also writing to the faithful in Jesus Christ. That includes you and me. So this is for us. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he is blessing the blesser. God is the blesser, but he is blessing God. I'm grateful for the blessings of God. And if God will allow me to praise him, I'll bless him. Notice the next phrase. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So when I hear people say, Lord, please bless me, they're playing like Jacob.
Jesus Christ had not shown up yet. But when I received the life of Jesus Christ, I received all the blessings of God. And if I do not understand God's reality of me, I'll be asking and asking for what God has already given to me. Notice this. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Not in Adam. And most of the times when we are talking to God, we are speaking out of this Adamic mind frame. This Adamic identity that cannot access what God has given to us in Christ. So Adam is always in depravity. Adam is always asking because Adam does not know what Christ has. Are you listening to me? Every spiritual blessing. So what spiritual blessing are we asking God for today? People are still asking God to send upon them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, what's wrong with you? I'm here. I've been here since Pentecost. I've never gone back. They are praying from a different reality. Because they are living from a different reality to God's reality. The Bible says without faith is what? Let me rephrase that for us. Without living from God's reality, it is impossible to please God. It means I'm living from an illusion of reality. And I'm trying to take that illusion and ask God to operate according to my illusion instead of stepping into God's reality. So God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So let's talk about the choice. God made a choice before the world was created. He gave us an existence in Christ. We call it the plan of redemption. It was not an afterthought. God chose us in him. In who? In Christ. But he blessed us before he even chose us. So see, when God creates a thing, he already creates everything for that thing. Before God created Adam, he created a whole world for him. So when God created us in Christ, he created all the blessings before we showed up in Christ. The blessings are in Christ, not in Adam. Adam is a slave to the devil. And everything we ask God for in our Adamic desires is really not for the life of Jesus. Adam is a slave, and a slave does not own anything. His master does. And so whatever Adam has, the devil controls. But God did not choose us in Adam. In his foresight, he chose us in Christ because he saw what Adam was going to do to the human race. So before the world was created, God chose us 
He chose me. He chose me to be holy. Not sinful. He chose me to be blameless before him. People keep blaming us. They can blame Adam. They may try to blame Christ. But before God, in Christ, we are holy and blameless. In Adam, we are condemned. So, I know for a fact that I'm not a mistake. Why? Because God chose me. He chose me in Christ before the creation. Because he made a provision for my existence. And what we are going to talk about today is what God chose in Christ. Not what shows up in Adam. We are going to talk about the reality. So in Christ, this is our reality. I am special because God chose me. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. God's reality is my reality. And if God's reality is my reality, I will see the glory of God. Many times we speak things that God does not say about us. People walking around saying, well, God has to help me with this and help me with that when God is saying, I didn't choose that for you. I'm special because God chose me. The power of choice. I didn't just happen. God chose me, so I have a right to be here. In Christ, I am holy because God chose me to be holy. I'm not trying to be holy. He chose me in Christ because Christ is holy. In Christ, I am blameless because God chose me to be blameless. Let's deal with God's reality today, folk. He also chose me and gave me a possession. In Christ, I possess every spiritual blessing God chose for me in Christ. So when I go to God and I start praying these prayers that do not reflect this truth or this reality, the Holy Spirit is groaning because we do not know how to pray as we ought because we are not praying from the life God chose for us. We are praying from the life that is oppressed by the devil. We have not lived in God's reality of who we are. God chose me in Christ before sin entered the world. He gave us an existence in Adam, but he also chose us in Christ before Adam sinned. So sin did not catch God off guard. This is big folk. He chose my life in Christ before sin. So the life he chose 
does not have sin in it. Are you listening to me? Are you hearing me? I'm saying the life God chose does not have sin in it. He chose that life because he knew Adam was going to give us a life of sin. I'm going to say some things today that will surprise a lot of people to the point that they think it's blasphemy, but it's right in the word of God. When we step into God's reality, we start seeing things in a different light and we find our power. We find our victory. If I can only see myself the way God sees me, I will not be walking around saying I'm only a sinner. I'm just human. That's not God's reality. So let me show you what the word of God says. The foundation of my redemption. My salvation. God redeemed me from sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But God is not only saving us from sin. He's saving us for something. People are stuck on the sin thing. And God saying, no, that's only the, the threshold. He has delivered us from sin and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So what did he save me for? That's the question. The foundation of redemption, my redemption, my salvation, and my righteousness is anchored in the life God chose for me before he created our world. That's the foundation of my reality today. God gave me an existence in Christ. Even before I existed in Adam and was born into this world through my parents. Now, even though you had an existence in Adam, until you were born into the world, you were not viable. Down through the, the, the annals of history, what God planted in Adam and what Adam lost was now passed on to his generations. I want you to read something. I'm going to say some scriptures in passing. Just write them down. I don't have time to explore all these today. What Adam gave to us was his own broken image, not the image of God. So when I walk around saying, well, I was created in the image of God, that's not true. Only Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. Read Genesis chapter 5. You see where God created Adam in his image. And after Adam had his first child, which was after sin, God said that child was born in Adam's own image, not his. So Adam gave to humanity a different image. And you'll see why that happened. And you'll see the result of that. What that does to all of us. So God gave us an existence in Christ so that we can nullify everything that Adam gave to us. It does not belong to our reality. So the question is, which of these two existences is my reality right now? The one God chose for me in Christ or the one I got from Adam? Which one do I live by? 
I made a joke with the elder this morning. He, said, he asked me, where are you from? And I said to him, I'm, the, I'm from the same place you are from. So I asked him, where are you from? And he told me, I said, well, well, that's where you, you were born. But my real life is not my born life, you see. My real life is my born again life. And where I'm really from is from above and not from below. You see, and we sing songs sometimes and we do not really concentrate on what it means. We sing, born of his spirit with life from above into God's family divine. And then we want to say on the next hand, we are only human and I'm from down the road. So there's no connection to what God has really done in us because we are walking in an alternate reality. So which of these two existences form my reality? Identity is what defines our existence. Identity creates reality. If I don't understand who I am, then my reality of everything else would be corrupted. So identity is important, and that's why we are talking about it. Identity is what creates my reality. I can only count as real what I conceive and perceive of myself to be. And most people think what's real is what they are seeing. The situations I'm going through, that's real, Pastor. That's the fact. That's the fact. But what is really real is only what God is doing through those facts. That's God's reality. So the reality is not what I see, but only what God is doing through what I see is the reality. Because what happened at the fall, everything was inverted. So when God spoke to Moses, and he asked Moses what he had in his hand, what did Moses say? Huh? A rod. Was he correct? From human point of view, he's correct. That's his reality. But that's not God's reality. He had a rod. So God told him to do what? Throw the rod on the ground. What happened? So what did Moses have in his hand? A rod or a snake? Come on now. Suppose it turned into a cat when he threw it on the ground. What did Moses have in his hand really? Ha. Ah, he had in his hand anything God wanted it to be. And you can be anything God wants you to be if you walk in God's reality. Identity is what shapes our reality. And our reality determines our functionality, how we function. If I think this is real, then I relate to it in that way. And so the devil only has to show us something, and he throws us off guard, and we are walking in this illusion of what the devil is showing to us, and we think that's the reality, and we take that to God, and we are wrestling with God with what we think is the real thing. Our reality is what determines how we function. And our functionality shapes the quality of our life experience. You meet some people that are complaining every day. How are you doing? Well, things are bad. Because they're operating from a different reality. My third point, 
Main point, God chose us because he has a purpose for us. He chose me because he has an eternal purpose for me. The same reason why he chose you. This is what the rest of Ephesians chapter 1 say. Having predestined us. So it's not just saving us from sin. That's to take care of sin. Don't get stuck on sin. Start focusing on what God has saved you for and your life will be a victorious life. Having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ. Not slaves, but sons. To himself. God predetermined that before the foundation of the world. That's God's goal for salvation. Restoration of his image. Restoration of us as sons and daughters of his. He predestined us to the adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Not We don't work for it. It is his will to do that. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us. Notice all the languages in the past tense. It's not what God will do. God has already done it, folk. We are asking God to do what he has already done. He has blessed us. Well, Father, please bless me. But I have blessed you. But you see, Adam does not know that. Adam will always be in need of a blessing. Because the blessing shows up in Christ. So if I'm living in the Adamic mind frame, I cannot perceive the blessings of God. So God's purpose for us, we read this scripture all the time, and still it baffles us because Adam will always be baffled by it. For we know, do we know? What we know? That what? All things. Did it say some things? So what's going on in your life right now? Is that working for good? If it's working for good, why are you complaining to God about it? Why has become the burden of your prayer? We are living in a different reality to who God says we are. And Adam will always be that way because he cannot do anything else. Because he's operating by a different image than the one that was given to him. Which I'll share with you in a moment. The Bible says, for we know. It's not an intellectual thing, folk. It's not a text we can just sprout off the top of our head. It's an experience. We know that all things work together for good, not for evil. To those who love God, to those who are the called, according to what? According to what? So God is working according to whose purpose? So when God starts to disturb our purpose, what happens? But I don't know why me, Lord. 
Why my kids? Why mine? <laughs> As though God is the one who is crazy. You see, what the devil has done, I wrote a book called The Hack of Humanity. The devil has hacked humanity and has given us an illusion for our reality. And we are living in this illusion that has us confused and depressed and oppressed. And until we step into God's reality of who we are, we cannot be released. And so whatever God says, through his illusion, the devil already have us having a reason why we cannot do what God says. But notice this, folk. God chose us. He gave us an existence in Christ. I'm not talking about this existence in Adam. I'm talking about the one in Christ. It's a different one. So whatever happens to us is working for his purpose. And most people stop at verse 28 and they forget 29. 29 gives us the purpose of God. Just now we saw he predestined us. In Ephesians 1 verse 5, he predestined us to be sons and daughters. That's his purpose. For those whom he foreknew before the foundation of the world, he also predestined. He made an executive decision. He didn't ask anybody's advice. He decided that on his own. He predestined that everyone whom he foreknew would be conformed into the image of his son. Everything in our life is working for that. And if we don't know that, we will miss what everything in our life is working for. So when I accepted Jesus Christ, I was born again in the image of God. And that's huge. Because we don't live by it. Christ is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. We are one with him. That's God's goal. So if we think God is interested in just this little me struggling with sin and struggling with the devil and struggling with this, God is saying, you don't even know what I've already done for you. So widen your horizon. And pray that as we go through this, we'll see God's light. God desires for us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. But who is the image of Jesus? He is the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that. Hebrews 1 verse 3 you can read from 1 to 3, but I just took out some there with some ellipses. God who has, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. God who in sundry times and in diverse manners has spoken to the prophets, spoken to us by the prophet, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has made heir of all things, right? And by whom also he made the worlds. Who, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So if God's purpose is to conform me into the image of Jesus Christ, it means God is restoring his own image. That is what Adam lost. 
Ephesians 2 verse 10. All I'm doing to you is showing you what the Bible says about us. Nothing else. You cannot say Pastor Roy is making this up. I'm telling you what God says about you. I just choose to live in God's reality of me because I'm tired living in this illusion of who I was. For we are his workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. Notice this. He created us in Christ. Not Adam. So God recreated us in Christ. That's how we share the image of God again. He created us in Christ for good works. So the works will happen because it's the life of Christ. I'm not trying to do it to get some praises from people. I'm not trying to do it so people could say good things about me. It has nothing to do with that. The treasure is in the clay. You are seeing the clay vessel, but there's a treasure in here that's speaking to you. It is the life of Jesus Christ. He created us for good works, which he ordained beforehand. So all the stuff God already did. But we are still trying to get God to do. Isn't that something? We missed it. Because we are operating in a different reality. So when God said it is here, I'm thinking, but I haven't seen it yet. We are waiting to see it. No, 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 no. We have it. And the moment we start to acknowledge that we do, we will see. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Following it up. Paul says, look at yourself the way God sees you. Put on the new man. Stop looking at yourself in this old way. Well, this happened to me when I was a child, and I'm carrying that through my adult life. That's not you. That's what the devil wants you to remember. That's what the devil wants to tag you by the rest of your life. Well, I was abused as a teenager. Is that your reality still? When you have met Jesus Christ? That's what's happened to your body. But your reality is not just the physical body. It's the treasure God has placed in it. God created us anew. Pay attention to this. Put on your new self. Start looking at yourself the way God sees you. Because this new self was created in Christ according to God. You know what according to God means? In his image. And what does the image mean? I'll use a different word for image later on and you'll see. We were created anew in Christ. That's how we have the image of God in us now. And that image is righteous and holy. So if you am walking around with this image of condemnation, this image of sin, this image of unrighteousness, whose image is that? All your life you're serving God and you're still calling yourself a sinner. If God saved me to be a sinner, then salvation is a fast. Adam will always be a sinner. Pay attention. 
Adam will always be a sinner. So if my reality is my Adamic existence, it is always a sinner. Are you listening to me? God is not trying to make Adam righteous. He could never be. That's why he gave us an existence in Christ, the righteous one. Our existence in Christ is a righteous existence. It's a holy existence because God chose us in him to be holy and blameless. Not to walk around in condemnation. Wow. So in Christ, God recreated me and you in his image of righteousness and holiness. Pastor Roy didn't say it. It's what the word of God says. Notice I'm not giving you my opinions, folks. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. Image is everything to God. Image. So when God shared his image with Adam, he is sharing his DNA, his righteous nature, his righteous character. That's why Adam could be God-like. Let us make man. God spoke to himself. You know when God wanted to make the trees, he spoke to the earth? When he wanted to make the fish, he spoke to the sea? When he came to man, he spoke to himself. Let us make man in our image. Isn't that right? According to our likeness. It's only the image of God that can produce God-like behavior. Listen carefully what I'm saying to you. Because the image of the self cannot do it. If you are trying to produce God-like behavior, you will fail. The image of the human self cannot produce God-like behavior. Only the image of God can do it. So image is everything to God. And so the first thing he did was to create man in his own image. Man was spoken as everything else. God spoke the creation. So he said, let us make man. He spoke to himself. So in his spirit, man existed, but he formed a body frame for him. So he could express God-likeness on an earthly plane. The body is only a servant to who the Spirit of God is in a person. Either the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the evil one. God's image carries his divine DNA. Just like seed. We call seed DNA, right? So if God created us anew in Christ... In his own image, we are already like God. But Satan will tell you, you are not. Just as he did with Adam and Eve. Wasn't Adam and Eve in the image of God? But he said, no, no, you're not like God yet. If you eat this fruit, then you will be like God. Right? Now God recreated us in Christ in his image, and Satan said, no, 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 no. You have to try to be Christ-like. And you can never be Christ-like. Because Adam can never be Christ-like. See? But God created us in Christ, so we're already Christ-like. But people don't know that. That's why Jesus could call us the light of the world. That's why the Bible calls us children of light. Because God is light. 
We carry his DNA. You see, image is what gives us identity. If Adam did not have the image of God in him, Adam had no identity at all of himself. It is the image that brings the identity. Why do you think people pay so much attention to the self-image they project? Hmm? You go on Facebook, they are projecting an image of the self. And wait a minute, the self has many different images. Because self is Satan sitting like God in the human soul. I have an image for church. I have a different one for the job. I have a different one when I'm with my friends. When I'm on Facebook, I project a different one. When I'm on, what's the other social media call? Whatever they are, we project these different images and we want people to believe this is who we are. They're all lies. They do not reflect the truth. They are illusions. And so God starts from the root. Because Satan hacked humanity from the root. He replaced the image of God with the image of the human self. And so whenever we sin, we sin out of that image. And if we define ourselves by the human self, that's our identity. Because the image is what produces the identity. We want people to believe this is who we are. So we project a certain image to them. An identity creates our reality. Reality determines how we function. And then functionality will shape the quality of our life experience. But it all starts with image. That's why God shared his image so man could be God-like. So what's the life God chose for me in Christ? The whole purpose of that was to restore his image as the foundation of my new identity. So who am I? I'm a born-again spirit being. Born of incorruptible seed by the word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I live in my Savior and my Savior lives in me. The Father also lives in Jesus. We are a perfect unity. I am most certainly a kingdom citizen whose life is from above and not from below. I start redefining myself the way God sees me. Because that's my truth. And I'm sticking to it. So God chose me in Christ to reflect his image. To restore his image as my new identity. God's grand purpose is not to save me from sin. No. His grand purpose is to restore me to my rightful place in his beloved family. That's the purpose of God. So I'm not dealing with sin, sin, sin every day. That's not my mental frame. The more you think of sin is the more you sin. Because the image of Adam can only think of sin. So when God says you are righteous, God made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So my righteousness is Jesus Christ. His life in me, that's my righteous life. His image is my righteous life. God's goal, the image of his son, as my reality. So God's purpose for me trumps and explains everything that happens in my life. Everything is working for his purpose. And what is his purpose? What is God's purpose? To restore his image. So everything is working for the restoration of Christ's image in us. So purpose precedes and produces our provision. Before you showed up, God provided for you. Because he has a purpose, he made provision. Because he had a purpose, he gave you a presence in the world. Because of purpose, he gives you a position. Because of purpose, he delivers power to you. Because of purpose, he places you in a certain profession. Because of purpose, he gives you promotion. Because of purpose, he will prosper you. And because of purpose, you will pass out of this life. As I tell folk, I'm not going anywhere until my purpose is finished with God. John the Baptist, when his purpose was finished, he was about 33, 34, about 33 years old. He was six months older than Jesus Christ. His purpose was done. Christ could not touch him. Even though he knew Herod was going to chop his head off. That didn't matter. He accomplished God's purpose for his life. Christ died on the cross. It mattered because he accomplished God's purpose in life. That's why he declared it is finished. Everything in my life is moving according to the purpose of God. No matter what I see. No matter what I experience, I must start seeing what God sees. God is forming the image of Jesus in here. He's not catering for the image of the self with all his idiosyncrasies. No. He is moving towards the purpose. And sometimes God has to put flesh in certain situations so that the life of Christ in the spirit could rise. Self and flesh has always to go under law and control so that spirit could reign in freedom. So my success and joy and happiness in this life depends on how I align myself with God's purpose for my existence. People are searching for their purpose when God only has one. Right? Some folks say, I'm looking for my purpose, pastor. I say, well, you're searching for your purpose. God has one purpose. Christ in you. And when Christ is in you, he will direct everything else. He will give you purpose. He will direct your steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Christ will give us purpose. We have all these purposes in our heads and sometimes God step in and break them. They may be lofty ideals for ourselves and God will step in and break them because it has nothing to do with what God is after inside of us. And let me tell you this, folk. God loves us. 
but you'll allow nothing to trump his purpose in your life. So if he has to break a leg, he will break it. If you have to take your life, he will take it. If he has to do that so that Christ, your salvation, could save you, it's always his purpose. Not our feelings. Not how we look at things. Not what other people think. Mm-mm. What the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, all things are for our sake. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed. Though the outer man is breaking down, the life of Jesus Christ is growing strong. Our light affliction, with a bunch of, but for a moment, are working for us. But Pastor, I can't see how it's working for me. Not you, for Christ in you. Our light affliction, which are but for a moment, they are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. That's the distraction. But the things which are not seen. So we are able to see the things which are not seen. Because the Bible says, don't look at what is seen. Look at what is not seen. What is not seen? What God is doing. To his spirit image in us. Say, focus on that. Jesus put it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be added to you. Everything you want. Where's the kingdom of God? In Luke, he says the kingdom of God is where? Within you. We are walking around with it. But we don't know. Because the devil has us distracted by the world and what the world is showing us as reality. Christ's image in my inner man is the reality of me. God's purpose is not about fixing me. God is not working on you to fix you, but only about restoring his image through Christ. Remember this, folk. People are walking around saying, well, God is not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. That's a lie. Who me is he working on? Adam? No, no, let's, let's talk about it. They're talking about the reality. Who is the me God is working on? If Christ is my life, the Bible says you died, Colossians 3 verse 3, and your real life is hid with Christ in God. So who God is working on? It's an illusion. And we want God to operate by that illusion when God has already given us his perfect life in Jesus Christ where the work is already finished. All God is doing is restoring his image to Christ in me so that I can identify myself the way he does and relate to him as Adam did before he sinned. Image to the reality. Adam was just the image of God. Adam did not even have to pray. Sister, because the image of God is one with God. Adam didn't have to figure it out because the image of God is one with God. Adam could name all the animals. He did not know the animals. They were created before he was. But because he shared the image of God, he knew 
the names of all animals. Image to image, spirit to spirit. The Holy Spirit does not speak to our flesh. Romans 8.16 says the Holy Spirit ministers to our spirit, confirming that we are children of God. Well, let's look at living through God's purpose. This is my last point before I release us today. I want to make sure that I've deposited enough here that will set us really looking at ourselves in a different way and start working with God's reality of us and not allowing the devil to continue to abuse us. So living the life and purpose God chose for me. Here's the question. How do I connect? How do I connect with the purpose God chose for me before the foundation of the world? How do I connect with that life? Pastor, you told us about the life. Yes. I've given you just a small window of the life. There's so much more. But how do we connect with that reality? We have connected. We just don't know we did. Only one way. One way. Jesus. Not me. Jesus. When God looks at you, he's not seeing you now. He's seeing Jesus. So we have to see ourselves the way God sees us. And stop believing the lies about the Adamic self-image that the devil wants us to walk around with for the rest of our lives. The Bible tells us God chose us in Christ. So take our vision off the Adam. That's why the Bible says we behold as in a mirror. I'm just connecting scriptures here today. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We behold as in a mirror, what? The image of Jesus Christ. The glory of Jesus. We are being changed into the same image from glory to more glory. See? So instead of seeing the self, see Jesus Christ. Because that's the image you bear. That's our reality. That's God's DNA in us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. Here's a question. How did my life from Adam come into existence? My life in Adam came into existence through my parents, my natural parents. Okay? Now, there are some children who are born stillborn. They are born dead. There are some children who are aborted. There are some children who are born with deformity. And there are some children who are born what we may call normal. But having an existence in Adam does not guarantee that I will show up in my parents. The abortion issue is a big issue today, right? So even though a child may have an existence in a parent, that child may not show up. What happens if a woman becomes pregnant and nine months, 12 months, and the baby is not birthed? What will happen to her? There it is. She can die, right? If they don't induce labor, or if they don't give her a C-section or something, she can die because that baby can't continue to grow in there. She will die. I want to say something to us because there's something very important for us to understand. 
even though we have an existence in Christ before the foundation of the world, that life does not come into existence until we are born again. So born again life is, has nothing to do with our natural life at all. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Born again life is a life God chose for us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Not the one we got in Adam. I wrote a whole book on this, what it means to be born again. Make sure you read it. The only way for life, the life God chose for me in Christ to come into existence is by spiritual birth. Not natural birth. It comes from God. Jesus told it to Nicodemus. We know the scripture. We have a brand new beginning. God is not working on the old self. He gave us a whole new existence. A whole new birth taking place. So if I keep defining myself by what came out of my parents and all the things that that life has been through, I'm missing God's point. The Bible says, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. He says, Moshe, surely I say to you, unless one is born again, and the Greek word there is anothen, means born from above. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God because the kingdom is from above. And then he told him in verse 5, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. So if he cannot see it, then he cannot enter it. He must be born of water. This word water is not just speaking of baptism, it's also speaking of the word. It's the word that cleanses us. The water itself does not do the cleansing. It's only a symbol of the cleansing, but the water really is the word. That's why Christ would wash the, his bride with the washing of water by the word. Okay? So the word and the spirit, except a person is born again that way, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said something very significant. That which is born of the flesh is what? That which is born of the spirit is what? Let me ask you something. When you were born again, you were born again of God. Is God flesh? Is God flesh? God is spirit. Jesus said what is born of the spirit is what? So what are you, spirit or flesh? Hmm, think about it. Whatever is born of the spirit is not spiritual. It is spirit. Only spirit could be spiritual. Listen carefully what I'm saying to you. God, this is not righteousness by works. It's by faith. We must believe God. What is born natural cannot become spiritual. By praying or fasting or any other means, you can't become spiritual. The only thing that could be spiritual is spirit. Are you listening to me? This is why we struggle. We fast and pray, we fast and pray, we, we think we get victory for a while, and then we find ourselves back in the same thing because that's all Adam's life can do. No matter how you train a dog to be like a dog, to be like a cat, it can only be a dog. So born again life has nothing to do with disciplining ourselves, disciplining Adam so he could walk right. When you take that discipline off, Adam will walk as Adam walks. 
because he's Adam. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. The spirit shows something to me that I want to share with you. That which is born of the flesh can never become spiritual. So when you hear people say, well, when I get in the spirit, you ever hear people say that? Oh, I went to a Pentecostal church once, and the, the pastor said, Pastor, when I get in the spirit, I said, wait a minute. So what were you before you got in the spirit? Flesh, right? But you can never come from spirit and jump in the flesh. Because flesh and spirit could never mix. Those who are in flesh cannot please God. You see, it's all an illusion. But I think it's real. To be spiritual, you must be born of the spirit. Here's what flesh is. Flesh. This is what the spirit showed to me. When you look at flesh and you spin it backwards, you get H self. You see that? And when you take H self, the spirit showed me what it means. Flesh really means operating by the human self. That's what it is. It's the foundation of every sin. That's why Jesus says, if anyone will come after me, he has to deny what? Quite of the devil. Self-image is of the devil. It's the devil's seed that controls human behavior. That's what the self-image is. So we are born again. How is the person born again? Of the spirit? I mentioned this, as many as received him, to them he gave what? The right or the, the authority to become children of God to those who believe on his name, who were what? So when a person accepts Jesus Christ, a birth is taking place. But this is not a natural thing, folk. This way it cannot be controlled by human beings. Nobody can stop you from being born again. The pastor cannot stop you. The conference, nobody can stop you from being. As long as you believe in Jesus Christ, God gave you a, a right to become. Nobody can give that to you or take it from you. God gave you the right to become his child. Because a birth is taking place in you. But this birth is not of blood. It has nothing to do with a woman's monthly cycle. It's not of the will of the flesh. No human engineering can make it happen. Not of the will of man. This birth is of God. So your real life is born of God. So when you go home today, you have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, who are you? When you say, I'm God's child, it means you have God's spirit in you. His image is your identity, not your physical body. His image is your seed. That's the seed of God's life. Having been born again. Not future now. It's happened already, right? Having been born again, not of what? Corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by what? 
By the word of God. By the word of God. I want to illustrate something for us today before we close down for this morning, this afternoon. We are born again of incorruptible seed. God has a law, a procreative law that says every seed produces after its kind. Every seed produces after its kind. So God is going to produce after himself. When I'm born of God, God is producing me after himself. He's given me his divine DNA as my reality. It's in a fallen body. But I'm not defined by the fallen body. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by stepping into the reality that the Son of God is growing in me. Every time a person is born again, Jesus Christ is born anew. That's why there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents, just as there was rejoicing in heaven when Jesus Christ was born. So it's the life of Jesus growing in you and in me. That's our reality. The image of Jesus Christ. Pay attention to this. Every seed produces after its kind. What's the power of the seed? I asked my sister this morning if you two are sisters. She says, yes, they are sisters and they are twins. Could you please come up here and take off your mask? Turn around. They look alike, right? I want to ask a very personal question. What's your name? Kwan. What's your name? Keisha. What did you have to do to look like Kwan? What do you have to do to look like Keisha? Nothing at all. Any of you look like any of your parents? What did you do to, to look like her? Here's my point. We already look like God. We just don't know it. And the devil doesn't want us to know it. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. He's blinding the eyes of God's children so they cannot behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Every seed is producing after its kind. That's what God is doing. So we are part of the divine family already. So stop looking at yourself any other way. See? You don't have to do anything to be like her. So I'm trying my best to be Christ-like. If you are trying to be Christ-like, it means you are not Christ-like. So the devil is lying to you. Even though God is saying, you are Christ, Christ is your life, you're saying, no, I'm not. So I'm trying to be, Pastor, I'm trying my best to be Christ-like this year. What does that mean? If I'm born again of incorruptible seed, then that's my life. What does incorruptible mean? Cannot be destroyed. No corruption in it. So when I define myself as this corrupt person, am I talking about this life that I was born again with? No. But the devil wants us to believe that. Thank you very much. So we are living in an illusion, and we are walking in this illusion all the days of life, and we are struggling to live the way God wants us to live because we are trying to do that from the wrong place. If Christ is here and Adam is here, you cannot graft Christ's life into Adam. God gave us a new existence. He gave us a different root. 
He starts us off with a righteous root. We cannot take this root here that is sinful and then try to make spiritual food or spiritual life out of it. God gave us a whole new root that starts in righteousness, not in sinfulness. That's our life. And that's how we're supposed to live. And see, God cannot endorse what we tell him to do here. But if you want to see the power and the glory of God, start agreeing with God and the root he has given to you in Christ. God could agree with this all day long because that's his reality of you and me. But we are here telling God, fighting up with sin and telling God all kinds of stuff about this sinful person. Lord, I'm such a wretched sinner. Da, 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 da. We carry on. And God is just shaking his head. The Holy Spirit is just groaning. Remember that prodigal son? Father, I'm not worthy to be called your, your son. Make me a son. He said, what are you talking about? And so we carry things to God that does not really represent who we are. And so I stop by here today to tell you that you have been born again of incorruptible seed. I must be born of divine life, incorruptible life. That's why when the Bible says whatsoever is born of God cannot sin, people say, what? You must sin. But that's not what's born of God, that's what's born of Adam. But the incorruptible seed cannot sin. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Anytime we sin, we step out of our identity in Christ. And we take an identity in Adam. Because sin really represents Satan's image and nature. S-I-N, Satan's image and nature is the only thing that commits sin. I'm saying this again. S-I-N, Satan's image and nature is the only thing that could commit sin. God's image and nature cannot sin. So don't go and say, Pastor Roy, say, well, you are perfect Adam person. There's holy flesh. There's no such thing as holy flesh. There's no such thing as holy Adam. Adam is always a sinner. There's only holy Christ. There's only righteous Christ. That's why God gave us righteousness in Christ. So I must know who I'm talking about. I cannot live from the false identity of Adam and then claim what belongs to Jesus Christ. So we are born again of this incorruptible life. When I received Jesus as my Savior, I was born again miraculously into the life of a child of God. Born again life is a life God chose for me in Christ before the foundation of the world. If you keep reading, it's just the word of God. Adam gave us one image. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was a living being, a living soul. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. When we were born again, we came from the spirit man. We didn't come from the Adam man. So if I keep defining myself by the Adam man while looking for the, the results of the spirit man, it's just happening. However, the spiritual is not first. Our natural life came first. Adam. But the natural, and after what? The spiritual. Because we received Jesus Christ afterwards, after we were born out of Adam. Pay attention. The first man was of earth, made of dust. So if you see yourself only as dust, you will operate as the first man. But the second man, the spirit man, is the Lord from heaven. So which life is mine? 
Which existence is mine? The man of dust or the one from heaven? Pay attention to this. The Bible says, look at verse 49. As was a man of dust, so are those who are of dust. As a man of heaven, Jesus Christ, so also are those who are heavenly. So if I'm out of Jesus, I'm heavenly. That people say you're paying your over from heaven. Yes, I'm from heaven. Because I'm from the second man. As we have borne the image of the first man, which is the image of the self, the human self, so we now bear the image of the heavenly man, the image of Jesus. That's my reality now. That's my reality. And you have to decide what will be your reality. That's why we can say now, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You know why? Because the image of Jesus in me, he overcame the world. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's how overcoming comes from. It's not coming from Adam trying hard. Pastor trying hard. Yes, Pastor? The life of Jesus doesn't have to try. You didn't have to try to look like her. It's in the seed. It's already in the seed. Will you go to an apple tree and tell the apple tree, try to bear apples? It's already in the seed. You show me the root and I can tell you the fruit. So if my root is in Christ, God ordained the works beforehand. It's already in the seed. So I'm not trying to do things for God to accept me. I'm doing it because God is working in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is doing it through his seed in me. That's it. Notice what the victory is. What's our victory? Faith. I know what faith is? Stepping into God's reality of things. That's it. Just believe what God says about things. Believe what God says about you. Regardless of what people say. Regardless of what's going on in your body. Believe what God says about you. And you'll see the glory of God. Believe God. What led to sin was unbelief. The only thing that would lead to victory is believing again. That's it. And so, only what is born of God will overcome the world. Jesus said what? I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken to you that in me you would have peace. In the world you would have trouble. But you have good cheer because my life has already overcome the world. So if the image of Christ is forming in me, whatever is born of God has overcome the world. That's it. Notice, folk, it's only the word of God. We live by every word of God, not what we think and feel or the philosophies of men or the ideas of men. Get the word of God as your reality because your new life was born again by the word of God. You cannot leave here and say anything else that I did not say. I'm giving you what the word of God says. Believe and feed the life now. It is already done. God is not now trying to choose or trying to do something for me. He has already made his choice regarding my life and completed all things in Christ for my benefit. 
So when Christ said this is finished, he did everything. We are children of the seed that came from the resurrection. It means he already did everything there. And that seed, if it grows in me, that seed will do the same thing. But if we are focusing on the Adam seed that is struggling, what's going to happen to us? We'll just be struggling all the days of our lives. And thinking at some time we will become sanctified. No, 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 no. Can I hear what I say? Sanctify, sanctification is the work of a lifetime. You will work at it and you'll never arrive at it. Christ is our sanctification. He's our redemption. He's our righteousness. He's everything. Some people have died. Have they become holy by working, working at it? So it's the work of a lifetime. You keep working, working, and you cannot reach where you're going. God didn't call us to work. He called us to rest. See? Come unto me, and I would give you. Come unto me, and I would give you. Folk, the only how the Sabbath can give you rest is if Jesus gives you rest. Otherwise, the Sabbath can't give you no rest. It takes a person to give you rest. That's Jesus. If you don't have Jesus operate as your operating system, like the Jews, you'll be laboring at the Sabbath and still not find rest. So we feed the seed. That's all it is. What the Bible says is done. His divine power did what? His divine power has done what? Is that present tense, future tense, or past tense? So he gave us already. He gave us what? Do you believe that? But I'm not seeing it, Pastor. Well, Adam can't see it. It's in Christ, right? When we start operating in God's reality, if God goes to facilitate the illusion of our reality, then God is working against himself. He just cannot. There are some things that God just cannot do. He cannot lie. So he cannot work with a lie. He has to work with the truth. So the moment I embrace the truth about me, I put myself in God's zone. And everything will come to pass. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness or godlikeness through a knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. You got to know Jesus Christ, folk. Verse 4 says, by which have been given. Everything is in the past tense. We keep asking for what is already done. By which have been given, not will be given. Exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be what? Partakers of what? But then we sing the song, I'm only human. I'm just a man. It ain't the truth. If I have the life of God in me, I have divine nature in me. We are part of the beloved family now, folk. Let no one take it away from you. You must make the choice today. I must now make the choice. I have made my choice. You must make the choice every day to believe God and feed and grow his life in your inner spirit man. That life is spirit. And the life always speaks to you. You can never commit sin 
without the life of Jesus testifying against that in you. And then the image of the self is trying to find a way how I could get around this thing so I can't sin. That's the image of the self working against the image of Christ in us. No believer who's walking in the life of Jesus can commit a sin without the image checking him or checking her. Because the image of Christ cannot sin. It has to come from the image of the self, which is the image of the evil one. What we call human nature is really the devil's nature. That's what it is. Call it for what it is. It's either the devil's nature or God's nature. There's no in-between ground. Adam took the devil's nature and he corrupted the human race. And so, brothers and sisters, it's your choice. Keep nurturing and feeding the life of Jesus. Okay? Keep nurturing and feeding. That's all you got to do. All your parents did was to feed both of you and you grew up looking at each other like each other. Is that right? You have your children that look like you. Didn't have to do anything to look like you. The seed is already there. All you did was feed them. And they'll grow up and look like you and they'll get stronger than you and then they'll control you. Isn't that right? So here's what's happening, folk. I'm just telling you what it is. The life of Jesus is a seed. Nobody comes into the kingdom of God as an adult. Everyone is born into the kingdom of God as a child. And that seed has to be fed. And when that seed is in the child, what happens is that the Adam life is dominant. When a person is born again, the Adam life is still dominant. So you still see effects of sin coming out. But keep feeding that seed. Keep feeding that seed. Just like when a child is small, the parent is dominant. But keep feeding that child. Keep feeding that child. That child becomes a teenager. Right? And then that teenager becomes a young man. And he becomes bigger than you. And now he's had to lead you around and tell you what to do. If you keep feeding the life of Jesus in you, as newborn babes, you must crave the spiritual milk, the pure milk of the word, so you would grow. You cannot grow the life of Jesus without the word of God. That's why today, all I gave you was the word of God. Let me ask you this, folk. I'm done, for real. You have a baby. Baby is just born. Baby is helpless. Before that baby is born, God, through his miraculous action, allowed the mother's breast to become engorged with milk. And the mother will feed that baby. Now the baby does not care which breast he, he latches onto, as long as he gets what? Milk. How often does a mother feed a baby? Hmm? All day, huh? Every two hours? Whenever the baby wants, isn't that right? What would happen if that mother decides to feed that baby only on Sabbath? Hmm? Hmm? 
What would happen? If that mother decides, I'll feed the baby in the morning when I wake up and when I go to bed at night. What would happen to that baby? It'll be underweight. Hmm? But as long as she feeds that baby, that baby starts to grow. So it doesn't make sense buying shoes for babies because the feet grow so fast. Some people buy all these expensive shoes for the babies and the babies can't even wear them for two weeks. Right? But you feed that baby and the baby grows. Only milk. And God in his wisdom has put everything in the milk for that baby. This is the image. As newborn babes, because everyone is born into the kingdom of God as a baby, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. Let me tell you, natural intelligence and human intelligence is not spiritual revelation. There's a difference between revelation and intelligence. To get revelation, you must feed on the word of God. And as the life of Jesus grows, revelation comes. Just as God gave a woman two milk fountains to sustain the life of the baby, so God has given us a spiritual mother called the Word with two fountains called Old and New Testament. We are born again by the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit delivers the seed just as the male delivers the sperm to the egg that feeds it. It is the sperm that produces the child. The egg feeds the sperm and the sperm is what produces the child. Pay attention to what I'm saying to us today. So when the egg meets the sperm, the egg provides the nutrients for the sperm to grow into a fetus. And the fetus becomes a person. God delivered the seed of his life in Jesus through the word. But the same egg that met the seed to produce your life and mine in Christ is the same woman that provides the milk to feed the child that is born again. The word of God provides the milk. And you just said to me, you cannot feed a baby once a week for that baby to survive. How many people, how many Christians are feeding just once a week on the word? Some, none at all. And they expect to grow. Does the internet ever turn off? Does Facebook ever turn off? All these social media gadgets are on 24-7 all day, bombarding the life of Jesus trying to keep us in this Adamic framework so we cannot connect with the reality of who we are. We have to change our focus, folk, and start feeding where we can grow. It ain't anybody's fault. We must hold ourselves responsible by focusing on who is our real life. And as we focus on that life, and we feed that life, everything will happen the way God designed it already to happen. Just as she, Kwan, could look eyes, Keisha, you already look like God in your spirit because you came from him. So feed his life, the life he chose for you 
and for me from the foundation of the world. God made his choice. You must now make yours. How many of us want to choose God's life for us today? Could I see your hand? Just stand. Let's stand, please. You want to choose God's life? By the grace of God, I try to share with you in a nutshell what it's all about. There's so much more. But I want you to step into it. Once you step into it and you keep the word of God as your source, you'll be surprised to see what God will start revealing to you. The Bible suddenly becomes alive. And you start walking in a different reality, in God's reality. So you can live the life God really designed for you. God did not design your life to be beaten up by the devil the way he does. The devil wants us to believe that, but that's not your life. Today you are making the choice to choose the life God has for you in Jesus Christ. And because you did, God has received you. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Speaking to those of us also on the internet, on YouTube, on whatever social media you're looking at this word from, the choice is yours now. God already made his choice. It is finished. It is done. God has completed everything in Christ for us. Now we must embrace the truth about ourselves from God's perspective, from God's reality. And we start living from that place. Father God, Father God, you are so gracious, you are so good. You have given us everything in Jesus Christ. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You have given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. You have given us a life that has already conquered the world, that is victorious. We are born again in, again in victory for victory. We thank you for bringing us to this place today, for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see, so that we could journey through this world together and embrace your reality of us, your vision of who we are. Thank you today. We stand here today acknowledging your reality as our reality. We stand here today saying we choose your reality of who we are as our existence in Christ. Thank you for calling us and choosing us to be holy and righteous and without blame before you. May we walk in this confidence knowing that your divine seed your incorruptible seed of Jesus' life is growing in our spirit. And we commit today to feed that seed with your word so that the life of Jesus can be made manifest to our mortal flesh, to your glory, and to the blessing of the world around us. We thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, and through his life in us, amen and amen.